Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. I am so excited about today's guest. I am a major fangirl. If you recognize the phrase, hey girl, hey, and I'm, as, as soon as she laughs, you're gonna love it and recognize the voice. Taylor Strecker is here today, host of the Taylor Strecker Show, Taste of Taylor podcast, and so much more. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Hey girl, hey, I'm so honored for you having me. I, like, we have a very great, neat, cute story. <laughs> Do, how does it feel to come face to face with your stalker is my like question. My, it's actually my favorite thing in the entire world. I actually was just out last night so my voice is even raspier than usual. I'm like very hungover today, but I sometimes like thrive in my hangovers. But last night, my wife and I, we met our friend's baby and then we were like, let's go to Marie's crisis in the city. So we were standing in line and it's like a very long line. You have to wait forever and ever. And um, we started talking to people in front of us. And this girl, like after like five minutes, she was like, I recognize you. Are, she was like, you're Taylor Strecker? And I'm like, yay! It's like <laughs> my favorite thing when I meet like people who listen to the podcast, the show, whatever. I it, like my Hey Girl, Hey Girls, like always shout out to me because it's like the greatest feeling in the world. Oh my gosh. Well, your vibe has is and always just has been so welcoming. So like, it's just a refreshing change from, I think, the other types of celebrities we come across. I talked about how I met you quickly on a previous podcast episode, but basically, guys, we went to Italy for our 10-year anniversary on delay, so 11 years, and we get into Delta One, which is like bouge moment. Like, my husband yes. and I have been saving up our little Amex coins. Yes. We got a real... And so I'm like living life in Delta One, and I like... I'm like this. And I like look up to kind of look around. Everyone is like speaking a different language. It's very shishi. And I was like, I see like this face, like turn around to the side. She's like three rows in front. And I was like, Andrew. And he, I mean, he doesn't know anything about what I do. Or do. I was like, I, I know, I think I know this girl. He's like, why are you being weird? I was like, just hold on. Just hold on. I was like, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Like I like went three grades up and you turned around and it was, I don't even remember what I said, but he was horrified for me. He's the world's biggest introvert and I truly embarrassed him, but thank you for not was, making me first of feel all, strange. First of all, okay. So that's so funny to hear from your perspective. So Tay and I, so we were flying to Italy for my best friend Stassi and Bo's wedding. So if you watch Vanderpump Rules, you probably recognize their names. Um, but it was so funny though because I actually brought it up to you. I was like, Oh, because a lot of times, like, I'll get people being like, oh, my God, I love you from the Morning Toast. Or, like, I love you from Hannah Burner's podcast. Or, like, I, I love you from being on tour with Stassi. And, like, to give myself credit, there are people that are like, I love you for, like, when you were on Sirius XM Radio. Yes. Right. But there, that I do, especially now with, like, social media and stuff, I do get a lot of that. And, like, I know I'm a public figure, but, like, my friends are just, like, I mean, they've got millions yeah. of followers on social media. So at this point, I'm just like really used to people being like friend of whatever. Honestly, I will be fucking friend of till the day I die. It's a great gig. Being number two, it ain't so bad. I'm telling you. Taylor, you're, you are a chronic underseller of yourself, girl. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, listen, I and I do, listen, I have to say I'm not a huge reality TV person. Of course, I know Stassi and I've like watched the show kind of here and there. But um, I don't know. I think there's something to somebody who has relied on their own talents and ambition to get where they are. Not that your friend, famous friends haven't. They have their own thing. But I mean, don't undersell. This is, you, you know, you have to. Yeah. I mean, I think they've been listening to you since. Oh, God. I mean, it was when you used to use the Justin Bieber sorry as your bump intro, like those days on Sirius. Like it was always, it was like when that song first, I don't know, long, long time ago. I was obsessed with that song. <laughs> I was so like, was, I so like, was it before, was it before I came out and my yeah, divorce? It was way, it was way before you came uh, out. Yeah. I it was like, how did yeah. you find, how did you like find the show Wake Up With Taylor? Because it wasn't the, a lot of people are like, it was the Cosmo aspect of it, but I feel like maybe just being a serious subscriber. I don't know. How did you Yeah, serious subscriber. It? And I, you know, I work in, I worked in news and my job was just generally very heavy. So I sought out and I'm a huge talk radio person. So I would have my news stations and then I was like, I need a moment of levity. So that's just what I, I would, don't know. I just happened to flip there and I heard your voice, which I'm sure a lot of people immediately say you have a very distinct voice and it's had a lot of energy. And I'm like, as a person in that trade, I appreciated how you could literally talk 
for hours straight, like no prompting, no, you were great on your own. You were great with guests. And I was just drawn to your energy. Thank you. Yeah. Very. I mean, it's been a while since I've been listening. Does that feel weird when people say that to you? (laughs) No, not at all. I actually, so I used to live in an apartment building, like a high rise in finance district before I moved to Jersey city. Don't tell anybody I don't live in Manhattan anymore. And (laughs) I still like pretend I do. Um, That's like the only inauthentic thing about me. It's like, (laughs) where I live. I'm like, well, I'm still a New Yorker. But um, so I was in the elevator and I said something like, can you press whatever floor I was going to? And the girl like looked at me and looked back. And then I must've said something to somebody else in the elevator. And then she was like, I know your voice. And that was like the coolest thing to get just recognized for just my voice. So, but yeah, she had said like, oh, I used to listen like to you years ago. And then like, I got rid of Sirius or whatever. Or maybe it was when I got fired from Sirius, but she's like, it's been a while, but like, no, I think it's all such a compliment. You know what I mean? Cause if like, if someone's listening on the regular, bless and believe, I love that. But if somebody, it's almost, I don't want to encourage people to like stop listening. And then like five years later be like, oh my God, I still remember you. But it's like, that's powerful that yeah. even if somebody's not regularly checking in they're like, you're still like a recognizable memory to them. I love that. Yeah. Honestly. And and your, your voice, have you always had like, I mean, I'm sure even as a kid, you had a very unique voice. You also sound like someone that I really love, like a good friend of mine who happens to be from New York. And there, I don't know, was it always something that people noticed about you? Is it like part of why you got into radio because you have such a distinct sound? So it's so funny because everybody's like, oh my God, like how many packs of cigarettes do you smoke a day? And like, listen, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and lie. Like I've definitely like, I've like dabbled in social smoking, but like I am not a pack a day. I actually don't smoke cigarettes at all anymore. My wife made me quit like a million years ago. So, but everybody like kind of attributes my voice to that. It's like the ultimate party girl voice. But my mom, who is square as they get, Miss Babette, she has <laughs> love her. pretty much the exact same voice as me. I think, I, yeah, a while back, I think I listened, I, I came across randomly one of the old episodes with you and your mom from your current podcast, but I just happened to like flip back in the feed and get it. And I think I even DM'd you, which is so fucking embarrassing and stuck. No, but I was like, no, oh, I no, finally no, see where you got, <laughs> I was like, I see where you got your voice from. It was like, it was wild to hear you guys together. Yeah. Is so, it ever weird? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so my, so my voice is like, it's definitely like, it, it comes straight from my mom, but um, it's definitely, but mine's a little bit more, it's the same, but different, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a, a little more loud spoken. She's a little more soft spoken. I'm really cray. She's like normal. So I feel like I, I it's just, it, it's similar. Like when you hear my mom's voice, everyone's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that's where you got your voice come from. But I definitely think, like you said, there's like, it's more of like an energy thing too, a voice quality, but it really is the reason I got my job at Sirius. And I got my job at Sirius right out of college. I was discovered at a bar. So my best friend at the time and roommate in New York. So we were friends in college. She was a receptionist at Sirius. Her name's Nicole Ryan. She's currently still on the air at Sirius morning mashup. But mm-hmm. when we lived in the city, she was a receptionist. And so, but she would like go on different shows and like be, you know, like a regular guest, if you will. And so like everybody at Sirius loved her. She's very like lovable, affable. And so she started getting like a lot of radio experience and I would just go out and socialize with her. And unbeknownst to us, they were starting to like talent search for Cosmo radio and like radio is very, very much a boys club. Podcasting is way mm-hmm. more girl friendly, but radios, it's, it's misogynistic boys club. So it was like, well, how are we going to find female radio talent? That's like young enough to fit the brand. So they were actually looking at um, Mandy Moore, which is so random to host Cosmo radio, but she, they had like some issue with her on the cover and they put the word orgasm next to her head. And like, it just like, wasn't, <laughs> she, she was too square for Cosmo radio. Yeah, pretty much. Also, yeah. Like, I sure love her though. I do. But I yes. love her too, but I'm sure she wanted like a ton of money, which right. less than belief she deserves it, but not the vibe they were going for. So they were kind of like trying to go rogue and figure out how they're going to find this female talent. And so this woman who got the job as program director, her boss who actually currently runs Howard Stern, he like discovered Opie and Anthony. So this guy's like a legend in the radio industry. His name's Jeremy Coleman. So Jeremy said to this girl who was running the Cosmo radio channel, cause she was like the only female programming director and Cosmo wanted to work with as many women as possible. Um, he said, you need to go to a bar. I need to find somebody who's engaging in conversation with like, four to five plus people, but like every single person is equally engaged. And like, like you can tell that no one feels left out. Like everybody's involved. 
And so I just happened to be out with Nicole. I was like, who knows what substances I was on? <laughs> but I was engaging in conversations with people and holding port. And then she said she, so she saw that. And then when she heard my voice, she was like, that's my girl. So actually Nicole and I auditioned together and we were supposed to be a package deal, a team. And at the end of the day, it just, it ended up being that they picked me and not her, which was a fucking nightmare. Can I swear? Yes. Swear please. Yes. Um, but yeah. So, but I mean, it's also funny the way the world works out, right? Because Nicole didn't get the gig we both wanted. I went ahead and took the job. And then like a year, not even later, she was on the morning mashup. And I can tell you, she was on the music side. I was on the talk side and her experience was delightful. Still is it serious. And mine was a freaking nightmare. Okay. So, I, I can't even, we have to get to the fact of you being let go, not being able to say goodbye to your audience. I mean, I, I feel like people listening probably know a touch of your personal story, but it is your personal life is so interwoven with your professional life. So can you give us the primer too on like, first of all, Cosmo Radio, you were expect, I don't know if you were expected to, but you certainly shared a decent amount about your personal life, which yeah. I give you credit for. I feel like this is a separate conversation, but I feel like that is such a danger zone. Yeah. For, I don't know if, if it's just, I just get this really like, eh, especially with kids anyway, separate conversation, but oh, trust me, I might, it'll be interesting to see how we approach that aspect of yes. our lives. Because oh my I, God. if I've learned anything, my little sister just had a baby and she came on my daily radio show, the Taylor Trucker show. And just like, it was really a privilege to have her come on and talk about her birthing experience. And she also has been dealing with cancer. So like, whilst pregnant. So like, oh this gosh. is like some major stuff. And she was like, I want to come on and share. It could save somebody's life. And also I, I want to share with your audience. She's also a daily listener. So like, you know, I mean, right. she, she was like, yeah, I, like I'm comfortable coming on. And we had the best time ever. We talked about amazing things. She shared her cancer journey. Like she was amazing. And it was, there was like one thing that the audience just like glommed onto. And we were just talking about how we were holding my niece, her baby Scarlett so much that, you know, we felt like we were making her too codependent on human touch and like maybe self-soothing was an important thing to learn. It was just like a, such it's a, a throwaway a, comment. Yeah. Throwaway, no nothing comment. And like the Facebook page that it's not even my Facebook page is fan run. It's almost like every show needs a villain. I mean, the Facebook page is like the person I'm always fighting with, you know, and listen, uh, to be fair to a lot of people that are on it, most people, the silent majority are amazing. Right. But you know, the five negative people can really, it, it feels like so many more when they're just constantly posting. But anyway, but I was like, oh my God, I cannot. And my sister was upset. It was like a whole thing. Right. But I just remember being like, damn, I thought women were bad. No one can hold a candle to moms. Oh, fuck. You have no idea. What? I cannot wait. I, like, my kids are, what, almost 10, 8, and 5 now. And, you, Taylor, uh, it is next level living. Next level. Like, my favorite game to play is who, like, I'll listen to people and watch, even friends from afar, and, like, who is going to self-implode when they become a mom? Because I did, and no one told me that it was complicated. And anyway, but yeah, so I would, this is unsolicited advice, but really, especially with Taylor, give some thought to what you want to do with sharing your family. Because I don't know, when you start crossing wires, people start thinking that they can hop I in. Am. Or like, I have friends who have shared a ton on social media and people know their kids' names. That's not what I want. I don't want I that. I, I mean, I, I don't totally, know. It's don't one know. thing to be totally like, bear it all when it's just you, right. but you kind of start to reevaluate, you know, like yes. how much my child will, you know, I used to make fun of those celebrities that were like, you know, putting emojis over their kids' faces and pictures. I'm like, right. get over it. But I kind of, my sister and brother-in-law are very like that with my niece. Right. So I get it. But also I just want to be clear. I'm not saying it's not okay to do it either. I just, right. I, I, I think I might have to really like sit down and think things through before I just dive in with like, you know, bearing my soul. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like, yeah, I, I should say that too. No shame, no hater shame on people who do that. But I do really think that we are in an age of technology where we're not aware of the psychological impact of what we're doing, even, even on our fully formed adult brains. And I totally. think, and I think of how trippy it would be to go back and see my mom, even like classic, like moms will tend to, even in like casual conversation, oh, that's my crazy one. And that's my smart one. And that's my the, and, and I can just imagine going back and seeing my mom describing me away, even if it was totally innocuous at the time and being like, you don't get to 
you know, I don't know. Don't talk to me. I'm a major fucking overthinker. I'm literally like type A, capital A, bold, italic, everything. It's just, I think overthink everything, but it is something to think about, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So bring us up to speed on your personal story and how you were married before you went through a divorce. You kind of couldn't say too much on serious. You're remarried now to a woman. You are what you jokingly call late in life lesbian, a lil. Um, So tell us how, like, how weird was that to go through what I would imagine was a really, I mean, big personal revelation in front of a microphone, essentially. So to going back to the original, like the the question you had asked before about, you know, sharing so much. So it was just so natural to share my life, but then, and it was like, and listen, I would talk about like fights with my, I call him now husband. My ex-husband was my husband, but I talked like when we were married, I talked about like fights that we had. I would like talk about friend issues that I had going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I never really thought twice about it, but then I was for the first time in my life in a situation. So I was, I w- always dated men. I never even crossed my mind that I was bisexual or a lesbian or what have you. I was raised very conservative and Catholic. My therapist that I worked with, like before the divorce, he was basically like, I feel like you didn't even let yourself go there. You know, like, do I you, just feel like you were, do so- you agree? Like, do you think that was your, I'm Catholic too. So I get the sort of baked in like yeah. rule book that we get handed. Like, do you think now that you look back, was there some sort of unconscious bias being passed onto you? Or was it just because you didn't know any gay people? So you didn't know it was a thing. I mean, like, what do you think now that you, you know, look back? I like, I really, here's the thing is that I feel like everybody thinks that like a coming out story, like, oh my God, you kept that hidden and you kept this piece of yourself. You know, you, it was a big secret. You were closeted. I lived about a year of my life closeted and I was an adult. I never had any inclination whatsoever but when I look back I'm like oh maybe that was like a it wasn't just a, I want to be your friend crush or like I wish I were you crush like Kate Bosworth went to my high school my public mm-hmm. high school so I was like obsessed with her and my first real boyfriend I dated was her boyfriend before and she kind of set us up and like I actually think if it weren't for her like I was like into dating him to be her friend that's interesting I know but I'm like but does that mean that I wanted to like date her or hook up with her I really in my like I really don't I feel like I wanted to if anything be her Mm -hmm. does that make sense makes total sense and I think there is um an an egotistical part to the relationships that we choose there's a self-serving part of all of that and I think you know who's to say like what what the what the line is what the boundary is between who we want to be and who we want to be with and I think I don't know I I personally think all of that exists on a spectrum anyway and that you know it's probably only becoming a little more socially acceptable to like Mm -hmm. acknowledge that and even then, probably only for women. But uh, it's just interesting to me. I'm like, you know, as someone who is married to a man and who has always known sort of what I like and who I like, I do, you know, I'm just so curious about how it must have felt for you, like you said, to not even have this coming out of the closet moment, but realizing like, holy shit, I'm into Well, it's all hindsight at this point, you know? So like, so that's like an example, like, like, like it makes me go like, well, maybe people that I thought I was just obsessed with, I like actually wanted to be with, but I, I, I still can't give a definitive answer. I will say though, that I have realized that when it came to dating, I never went after guys. I was always like, whoever wants me mm-hmm. again, that behavior in dating doesn't make you a closet lesbian. Right. I feel like, I feel <laughs> a lot of women tend to do that. That's like the Disney fairy tale bullshit. Yes. We're waiting um, to be saved kind of. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. I definitely, um, like, even my mom recently was like, you never dated, like I never got the guys that you were with or dated. And like, it kind of makes sense now. Cause maybe deep down inside you like were picking the wrong guys. Cause none of the guys were right. Mm-hmm. Again though, these are all kind of just like therapy points, like things to ponder. Um, I don't really have a definitive answer. And even if somebody was like, are you a lesbian? Are you bisexual? I don't know. You know, I used to joke that I'm like Taylor sexual. So I'm only attracted to people named Taylor. My wife's name is also Taylor, but I don't know. I just, I guess the thing I would be, would be like pansexual. I think I just really fall in love with the person. But then again, it's like, I met a lot of incredible women who are my friends and there was never any interest in making anything more. So I, yeah, I really, 
I don't know in regard to like where I even am on the sexual spectrum. You know what I mean? Am I like getting overly personal? I'm just so, okay, I'm sorry. Please tell me because I have all these like deep questions for people and I, you know, I don't want to make you feel like, oh God, who is this chick and why is she asking? I'm genuinely trying to think it through because like I, I like, I don't even, it's, it's weird to not be able to even know exactly what the answers are. But I will say this, when I met Tay, I have never Hmm. felt that way about a person ever in my life. And like, when we started to like, move it on to a relationship and it got physical. That was like, I've like, I literally thought people hated sex. Like I was like, everyone hates sex. They're lying. Or if you like sex, you're stupid. Like I was such a prude. And when I was with her, I was like, Oh, I get it. Like, this is like, this is a very deep connection. It's fun. It's safe. Um, it's like enjoyable. Like I, it clicked for like the first time in my life. So Yeah. I so guess. it makes sense. Wait, yeah. how was it going from like P's to V's? I'm like, sorry to get scary. so- Scary, really, really yes. scary. Yes. I mean, that's like a big thing. At least when you're straight, you can just kind of lay there. Totally, <laughs> right? You can. You can. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Just do what you want to do. I'm like, you know, but totally. you really can't do that in like, I would imagine. I don't yeah. know. I mean, okay. I could be. But, um, but I will say that, um, yeah, I, it was really scary. Cause like yeah. I was first attracted to Taylor and like, uh, maybe like I'm newly separated and I, you know, I, my friends are going to set me up on dates with guys. I kind of like this friend of mine, the lesbian, I'm like kind of drawn to her. All of our friends would joke, joke that like she would turn all of us into lesbians. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I just kind of like want to make out with her. I was just like curious. And that was the first time I'd ever felt that in my life. So I was like, I'm just going to like ask her if we should make out. And she like rejected me brutally and was like, we're really good friends. You need all the friends you can get right now. Cause like in the divorce, I lost like so, so many people. Yeah. That's hard. So she was like, and I really lose interest quickly. So I, we like open that can of worms and then like, I lose interest. Like who do you have to be your friend? And I was like, good point. So we like shelved it, but then not far after we were together on a trip and she was kind of like, fuck it. I've oh, since the day I met you, I was attracted to you. I knew you were married, so I just like let it go. Um, but like, I'm kind of scared because as a lesbian, she's like a lot of times straight women. It's like a novice thing, and it's like a fun flash in the pan. But like a lot of like lesbians end up hurt, and they almost feel like it's like they're using right. an experiment. Right. And so she was like, I was really scared to like go down that path with you, but like I really think that this is something we can make work. And like in true lesbian form, it was like, okay, fine, we can make up, but we have to be girlfriends. And I'm like, like <laughs> is that I, how it is? Like the commitment is near instantaneous? Yes. And I was like, <laughs> I have to get like it was. I'm like, I just got a divorce. Like I, I really when I got a divorce was like, I'm going to live in financial district for one year. I have enough money to like pay this exorbitant rent on my own. And I'm going to find another rich dude. I mean, I'm not (laughs) proud of it, but that's what my plan was. I love your candor. Yeah. So she was not in my five-year plan. And (laughs) all I wanted to do was just hook up. And that was it. Maybe even just kiss, right? So I I kind of was like a fuck boy. Like I lied to her. Like I was like, yeah, we're together. I'm like, no, we're not. I can like, let me keep this a secret. So, but every day she just continued to make me like more and more and more happy. And I just grew more and more in love with her. And so, you know, after I would say probably, I don't know, six months, I was like, this is my life. This is the person I'm choosing. Now I have to figure out how to consolidate that with my friends and my family right. and my audience. Yeah. I mean, was that like, who were you more nervous about telling that to like your audience, your family? I mean, everyone in different, in different ways. So like, so that was the thing is you were saying like about having a private life. So for a long time, my life was, I think just so normal that like, yeah, there were problems here and there, but they were just like normal, like easy, like, like, um, like everyone goes through them. Let's just like make a joke about it. Kind of exactly. Very relatable things. Nothing like too over the top that I couldn't handle. But then when I got a separation, this was the first time that I was silenced by other people. So when I got, so when we got separated, which of course led to the divorce, my lawyers were like, you can't talk about this in your radio show. And I was like, why? Because they were scared of how it could implicate you or change the divorce proceedings or something like that. So they said that if you end up going to court for like, God knows what, you know, like hopefully it's a clean, quick, fast, easy peasy divorce. But if there's issues and you have to go to court, and a judge finds out that you talked about right. your relationship, even at all, like 
it's not going to really bode well in your favor. So like, certainly do like, but I'm like, I just need to address to my audience that I'm, we're broken up. And they were like, don't do it. So I had to wait. So I couldn't even address that we were even broken up until the divorce was finalized by a judge. That takes a long time. So I'm on the air doing what I do, bearing my soul. And my audience was like, something's off. Something's Mm -hmm. weird. Also on social media, I don't see husband at the time, husband. Mm -hmm. And I had people that were mad. Like they were like, why are you telling us the truth? You're lying to us. And I would kind of go in there and be like, guys, please read between the lines. I will tell you everything when I'm able to. Sometimes people are in situations where it's out of their control, what they can and can't talk about. Like read between the lines. You guys are smart. So people eventually got it. But like, that was a really weird thing for me, like going from sharing everything um, to not being able to share anything. And it was really difficult for me. And then I started getting really worried about my brand because my brand really was like bearing it all. And and, and that was the first time I like was broadcast. So when I was broadcasting about not, not telling the audience that I was separated or then divorced, it was like, I knew eventually I would be able to, you know? And so the second the divorce was finalized, I was like, you guys are smart. You guys are right. We're done. We've been done for this many months. And I explained, here are the reasons why I couldn't tell you guys. But now at this point, I'm like pretty much in a significant couple months long relationship with Taylor Donahue. And I'm like, I definitely can't come out because like, A, my parents and I are not okay. My parents are not okay with the whole thing. They're having a really hard time. I'm like just starting to tell my friends. And also like if I announce that I'm with a woman after I announce my divorce, people didn't think that I got a divorce because I'm a lesbian. And that's not my story. That's not my narrative. And so, and also it was like, it wasn't fair to me because I felt like I had real trauma and stories from my marriage that I wanted to also share with the audience. Cause I wanted, like, I like to like those who can't teach. Right. So if I'm like going through something hard, the only thing that makes it easier to get through that hard thing is to know that I can share my story and I can help maybe prevent somebody from getting that situation right. or seeing the red flags quicker or letting somebody know that like I relate to them and that there is a way out kind of a well, thing. And I do think a lot of people, I know I was curious too. Um, as a listener and as a follower of just generally your story, like what were the red flags? What were, and how did you know that that was done? Um, so I would say, so I tried to call off the wedding before we got married. We were engaged for a year and a half and I called the wedding planner. I was like, I really think we should postpone it. And she was like, listen, if you want to call it off, call it off. But if you want to postpone it, like that's really dumb. Either get married or get or, or call it off. It's fine. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was like, but it's like postponing is like all the financial damage of, right. you know, canceling. But like, then you're just prolonging the process. Mm-hmm. So, and I was like in my late 20s and I was like, well, calling off a wedding is breaking up. Right. And I wasn't ready to do that. So I just got married and was like, I guess we'll figure it out. But it all started, the second we got engaged is when all the shit started hitting the fan. And I was fighting with his family about the dumbest wedding details. And the thing too is it's dumb. It's a fucking, you know, the length of a dress, the color of a dress, the fabric of a dress. Um, But it was indicative to me of like family dynamics in that particular family and how things were expected to go down. And I was like, I can't live my life like this because this isn't going to stop with the bridesmaids dresses. This is going to be children. This is going to be holidays. This is going to be like, and also he worked for family company. So I'm like, this is like, it's going to be finances. Like this is going to be forever. And I, you know, I was just, I saw a side to things that I didn't see when we were just dating. If you um, could go back, would you have called it off? Or do you think no. that you needed that? Yeah. You needed to be in the relationship to know that it wasn't right. I needed it because like, I'm somebody, if I don't try, like I have to give it the college try like right. 10 times over. Cause if I don't, then yeah. I will regret and question my decision. I need to be like, so pissed off that I know this is the right decision to make. Same. Yeah. So, Are you yeah. on speaking terms now or civil terms? No. Or there's, I guess there's no um, need to be, but. Well, yeah, I mean, he did reach out to me. Okay, so after I announced the divorce, um, him and I were really amicable. Um, he would like drop off my mail at my apartment and stuff like that. We like went out a couple times for drinks. So weird. Like just so weird. Like, so hey, weird. what are you doing? Who are you seeing? Meanwhile, I'm also in this relationship now with somebody he he actually knew Taylor. She was like a new friend of mine. So he knew her. So and I'm like, listen, New York City's small. I'm sure like the rumor mill has already started to churn. But like, I don't know. I was like, I felt like I was like keeping this big secret from it. It was just very strange. Right, right. So, um, but so it was a whole year. 
from the time that her and I basically started dating to the time that I came out. So I announced that I was divorced. And then basically an entire year later, I announced that I was in this same sex relationship. So when I came out- I was listening that morning, by the way. That was like the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Way scarier than getting married to the wrong person. Way scarier than getting a divorce. I thought getting a divorce was the hardest thing I've ever done. Coming out is the scariest, hardest thing. But it's kind of a beautiful thing because it's like, when when you have experienced like that level of like fear and shame and guilt and just you're overwhelmed with all these negative feelings on the other side it's like so good when you do mm-hmm. something really really hard it really like makes the sweet that much sweeter so mm-hmm. like as hard as coming out is it's actually like a glorious experience so if there's anybody listening who's like maybe in a position where they're going to be coming out or they're thinking of it like it's scary as shit but it's like the most rewarding thing in the entire world at least it and was got, for me. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah, I commend you. I mean, that's really, really difficult. And anyone who has like a front-facing job knows that there is the audience or the people listening or watching, they expect a certain amount of personal information. And I know you really did have to sort of as part of your job. But um, I give you a lot of credit because that's um, that's hard. I've had friends who have recently come out married to a man got divorced with a woman now and you know in their 30s in their 40s and it's not even not scary then it's like you know it's I give you a lot of credit and you literally did it in front of a microphone um well I will say I will say I'm gonna give my audience credit for that bravery because you know so I come up to my well I didn't come to my parents my mom outed me like I was just like I'm yeah I was like I'm gonna hook up with Taylor and do whatever I want to do and live my life and slowly I'll tell my friends but I even that I was kind of like it was just private it was between us and I was enjoying mm-hmm. our alone time so I basically ripped her back in the closet which is not cool but alas that's what I did yeah. um and then I went home to visit my parents my family and my mom picked me at the airport and she's like you're spending a lot of time with that Taylor Donahue friend of yours and I'm like yeah and my mom was like are you in love with her and I was like, oh my God. Cause I'm like, at this point, I'm like in my like almost mid thirties. I want to lie to my mommy. Yeah. But also it's not her fucking business, you know? And I this love her. Bitch. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, my bitch. With all due respect, mom, it's not your business. Like, yeah, if I was yeah. like, let's say, like, I got home and she was like, so are you like hooking up with a different guy every night? It's like, that's not your business. <laughs> just, yeah. But um, so I was like, yeah, I am. I think I am in love with her. And it was like, I mean, <laughs> next level. Was, fighting. Yeah. Was it, it was, really? It, it was really brutal, but I will say this too. My mom has been on, like, if you're listening to the story and you're interested, my mom was on Taste of Taylor. Um, it, I think it's called Two Taylors Are Better Than One. That's a podcast mm-hmm. that I had her on because she's been on a bunch of times. But Two Taylors Are Better Than One, we talk about my coming out and she, like, it's a, like a mea culpa. She's like, I am so yeah. sorry. I was the worst. She's like, if my friend told me they did what I did, I would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so she's so great. And that's the thing, too, is I think it's really important for people who are going to come out and tell their families and they're a little bit worried to know that, like, not, I think people think it's either, like, send you away to gay camp or never talk to you again, or they're like, oh, my God, we knew. We've just been waiting. I think more people lay in the middle. Like, my parents weren't, like, going to disown me and horrible like that. But they were just like having a really hard time, like even understanding it and not, and like, right. like they were like, you you went through a divorce. Like maybe you're not thinking clearly. Like they were just having a really hard time, but they came around. And I mean, yeah. I always joke, but they like love Taylor Donahue more than they love me. Like they <laughs> adore her. She, and like, they, they have said a million times over how sorry they are. They have said a million times over how like, she is the greatest addition to our family. Like we are like their favorite couple. Like they think that we're such a great match. So you know, it's like, that's the good news too, is even if it's not great when it first happens, there's like hope and a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, like I said, I, I was, I was in the closet for like a year. And then I was like, my, I was, so at this point, my mom and dad were like, okay with it. Not great, but okay. They met Tay's family, right. which was nice. Cause our families are very similar, but it was like, it was the 4th of July weekend before I was about to come out on the air and I knew it was coming out on the air, but I hadn't told them. And it was like coming out all over again because it was like, and, but I remember my mom had said to me a couple of times, like, you know, just because you have a public job doesn't mean that you have to share every ounce of your personal life. And I was right. like, yeah, but like, I love this person and I want to shout out from the rooftop, but also like it is, that is my job and that is my brand. And I've always given my audience everything. And so I just knew that it was going to be hard for my mom and my dad to like have me come out in the air, but like 
I knew that I owed it to my audience. And also I owed it to myself. Like they were the thing that gave me the courage or like maybe the, um, like lit the fire into my ass to do it without them even knowing. Right. But I was like, and I was worried. I'm like, if I come out, does that change who I, who I am in their eyes? Does it make people not want to listen to me? Like, am I going to lose my job? Like I was really scared. And, mm -hmm. but then I thought, you know, but I don't know if that will happen, but what I know will happen is if I am leaving a secret life and the audience yeah. finds out, I will lose all credibility. So that's kind of what encouraged me to rip the bandit off and come out on the air. You know, and I do think going back to the motherhood thing, like as you guys start your journey to becoming parents, I think it'll make you a really much more empathetic and understanding and the type of parent who proactively sort of reaches out to your kid and is like, hey, you know, just so you know, no matter what kind of thing, um, you know, because that is like, even as adults, we worry about what our parents think about us or, you know, totally. We totally grownups, but I mean, there is an element of that dynamic that never goes away. So I don't know. I think you handled it with such grace and seeing you guys in person, obviously having listened to you sporadically in the beginning of your career and now through your podcast and hearing Taylor on the podcast and sort of understand, like hearing you guys from afar and then seeing you like, you can, you are one of those couples that do really emanate like a good energy together. Like, you know, you see you. couples interact and they're, this is like, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird energy. Yes. Or like you can tell one annoys the other. Like oh, you well, guys are, I know are who because you that are. was all my other relationships. Like, oh my like God. that's the thing too. I think sometimes people are like, well, it must just be that person. But it's like, it's the combination and the chemistry mm -hmm. between the two. Because when I was with husband, yeah. like we were the couple that people would be like, we consider not inviting you because you fight so much. <gasps> oh no, yeah. I love them for their honesty, but wow. I know. So was it like all the time like that? Oh my God. It was so, it was just like, and it wasn't even like important fighting. It was like dumb yeah. bickering. I almost like, I, I'm at a point where I almost think he thought it was cute and endearing. Yeah. And it I mean, wasn't. don't you look back on your younger self? And I do this in other contexts and I'm like, what? Like like the shit that I tolerated or the things that I thought were normal or the relationships that I endured because I thought I had to, to like get to it. I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking for so long? Do you ever have those moments? I know you said you went through stuff to kind of get to where you are, but don't you kind of look at your younger self and you're like, ah, oh, if I ever have a daughter or even a son, like the things that I want to tell them about how to not waste their time. You know, what's so crazy. I, I, I hate people who say like, I regret nothing. Cause it's like, how that means you've like yeah. lived a perfect life. But I actually will say that I kind of I'm going to say that mm -hmm. I'm so happy I went through every single thing because there is yeah. no way I would have ever been ready in like my early 20s, even maybe like late 20s, early, early 30s for I would never have been open enough for this love with Taylor. Right. Like, I don't think like had I actually am grateful for everything I went through with him. Honestly, it was like less him and more about like the family dynamics for me. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. But like, I, like, I need to be pissed off enough to make the decision right. to end the relationship, you know? And I, now that yes. I look back, hindsight's 2020, we were not soulmates. And the thing is, I just said this to somebody the other night, if the roles were reversed and what I experienced with his family, I was experiencing with Taylor, I'd put up with it. Yeah. I love with her. So, but I'm grateful for everybody, you know, being the way that they were because had everything just kind of been like copacetic. I don't think I would have had that fire under my butt to get mm -hmm. out of the relationship. And I, I, I would have woken up someday and said yeah. like, we're settling for each other and we're not each other's people. And like it, that, that's very mutual. And when I did finally, we finally like, you know, got the divorce and I told him I wanted a separation and a divorce. His initial reaction was he was blindsided, which I don't understand how, but whatever, that's his truth. But like a couple of days later, he said to me in our apartment, because we were like, you know, still living together for a while. And he was like, thank you for having the strength to do what I couldn't do. Wow. So oh he wasn't gosh. happy either, you know? And I mean, I yeah. get it. Like when someone's fighting with your family constantly and your family is your business, like that's stressful. That's so, so stressful. And they say you marry the family and you only hear you that as do. a phrase until you're married. And then you're you like, oh, do. wait, yeah, you actually you do. do. Unless your family, the family lives completely across the country or like right. a long distance away. If the family is local, like you're marrying the family, yeah. period, end of story. And so I guess that's like a life lesson I would like pass on to a child. Like right. if my child was getting serious with somebody and they're like having problems with the in-laws, I would be like, this is a danger zone. I'm telling you, yeah. think long and hard enough. But like, I definitely feel like, you know, I really struggle with um, um, 
self-love and self-esteem. It's like my biggest struggle in life. And I feel like for a long time, I was attracting the wrong friends, the wrong significant others because I didn't love myself. Um, and so you kind of like, if you're like hating on yourself, you're kind of attracting a little bit of that hate, you know, in other mm -hmm. people. Yes. And I feel like the biggest act of self-love I ever did was say to myself, you're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. You deserve more than this. You deserve to be happy. You will get it. It's going to be okay. Like believe in yourself. Cause that was, a, that was a really big step. And I think that's, that happens to be like when I was able to fall in love with Tay and I was even open to that because I think I was like in this, this big cul-de-sac of just like self-love. And so I was like, and it was a blip, let's be clear, because I still struggle with it. But you know how people are like, you can't find your right person until you love yourself. I believe yes. it to a point, but I just think I got really lucky with timing because, you know, Tay really helps me to like see myself better and love myself more. It's oh, it's still a struggle. Um, but I think in that act of self-love, I was able to be in a position where I was attracting somebody like Tay into my life. I love that you guys are open about therapy too. I'm a huge proponent individually, couples, done it all, love it all. Um, and I like that you're open, you know, here I am being like, oh, I'm so scared to share anything about myself, but I'm like, no, share more of your life, Taylor. But I do love how, how open you are about that in particular. And I always say it's the people who say therapy is weird, who need the therapy the most, Hello. you yes. know? But yes. I love that we get that peek into your your guys' life and relationship. Yeah, we actually just started because like sometimes I'll have Tay on my podcast, Taste of Taylor. And I know like the audience loves our dynamic. And you know, she's kind of like, I'm not a podcaster. Like she she resists, she fights me hard. Um, but every time she comes on, we kind of end up having this banter where we end up talking a lot about our therapy sessions, which I love. So just recently we've kind of like branded mm -hmm. it as um Therapy, uh, thumping. therapy thumping yes <laughs> therapy therapy. Thumping, go with therapy. i love it yeah so once a month she's going to be on taste of taylor and we're going to be talking about like you know stuff that we've gone through um we're going to be talking about like we also um if you go to my website taylorstrecker.com the mobile version is under construction right now but like the web on a computer version works mm -hmm. um you can just like actually leave a voicemail and you can either it can just be like a comment about the show we got a couple just the other day or you can actually like submit your own issues and your own questions um, so we're going to be tackling our relationship stuff, tackling your relationship stuff. And, um, you know, our therapist is amazing. We have so many friends. I even have listeners reach out and they're like, oh my God, your therapist sounds so incredible. Can I like get a referral? And she's just not seeing more patients. She's kind of like in a semi-retirement. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, if we can't bring our therapist to you, then I guess we can bring what we've learned from our therapist to all y'all. So that's kind it. of what we've been doing lately. And I'm like, it's kind of brand new, but like, I'm like really feeling it. I'm into it. I'm feeling it. Yes. I like those episodes. I don't know. I always like the solo episode. <laughs> what was the one you just did? Miss Codependent cracked oh me up. God. Oh my God. I mean, just, <laughs> I, it was, I, I don't know the, the ones where I feel like we get to know you guys a little bit better. I do. I know I'm running out of time and I told you a short amount, but if I could just quickly ask you about your impending journey toward motherhood, I'm like yes. so curious about this. Um, you guys are starting mm. the process soon. How's it looking? How's it going? How are we feeling? So we're picking sperm donors. That's like something that we're, we're going to be working with California cryobank, which is the greatest. I actually discovered them through dear media because they were doing ads mm -hmm. and I did an interview with them. And then we looked into it and like everyone we know that has a child through like, you know, this type of process, they all use California cryobank. So wow. if anybody's interested, that's my number one recommendation. Um, and whether or not we are working with them, full disclosure, whether or not we were working with them, we'd still be using California cryobank. We're just right. fortunate enough to get to work with them, um, you know, collaboratively. But um, so we're going through the process of picking a sperm donor. And once we settled on that, we actually have an IVF appointment next Thursday. So I don't really know what that means. I feel like it means the beginning of shots. I know people who did IVF. I mean, like who's carrying Taylor, other Taylor's carrying. Okay. So I am almost 40. So listen, I will be lucky if I have viable eggs. So we're going to go, I'm, yeah. we're going to get an egg count for me. If I'm in a good position, I'm going to, as an insurance policy, mm. definitely freeze my eggs. Yes, do it. Katie just turned 35. And a lot of doctors have said, like, they're not really that concerned about the IVF route for her. Like, she's in an age bracket where they think that she's pretty, a viable contendent for, like, we get the sperm, like, literally, th this is crazy. So California Cryobank, once we pick our sperm donor, can send us a vial, like, overnight in, like, a turkey baster, essentially. <laughs> And yeah. I, we could like make a fire and have like a romantic night. And then I could literally artificially inseminate her at home. <laughs> oh my God. 
I love it. It's but so- she doesn't want to do that. She's like, I don't trust you. I want to go to a doctor's office. But like, so that's where we're, that, that's where we are right now. She's going to carry. No, okay. even if I have the most viable eggs in the world, right. she's still going to carry. Um, She like craves it, needs it, wants yeah. to do it. And I watch my mom so sick during pregnancy and I am scarred. I do not need to go through the morning sickness, which by the way, is just all day sickness. My mom threw up the entire mm. pregnancy with my little brother. Yeah. That's the hard part about being like a sibling older enough to have seen a younger sibling being born. You should probably yeah. got like a real, a real dose of reality. What traits are we looking for? Like in the sperm donor? Like, is there, is there like a non-negotiable as far as education or looks or like, how are you choosing? You know, I'm a vain bitch. So I'm definitely looks are important. <laughs> Um, Tay's like six feet tall. So I wouldn't be mad at getting a taller sperm donor because then it's like, I mean, listen, as a five foot four lady, I would not be mad. I like, I know when you're in middle school, it's not fun being six feet tall, but like, it's fun being six feet tall woman or man. So yeah, I wouldn't be mad about the height. I feel like though, like the face is the most important, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then education kind of is really important. I mean, my, my her brother went to Harvard. My brother went to Harvard. Like, we're a little bit education-y snobs. Not that I went to Harvard, but, you know, when someone in your family goes to Harvard, it actually means that you technically did too. It's um, in your gene pool. Yes, yes. So and we've got lots of doctors in the family. So education is important. So I would say, like, good punim, a little bit of height, nice bod situation, and then education. And then... I guess you can even like look into their health and like their family's health and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, mental health. So things like that. And it's like, there's no guarantees in life, but you know, giving your kid when you're in a position to give your kid like the, the, the best. I'm jealous. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Yes. I I mean, listen, I know I picked my partner, so I technically like knew what I was getting, but like the level of personalization is actually quite nice. Well, unless you get like heart disease runs in your family. So you're already like, we're already 50% in on that. Right. Like, making sure to pick somebody who doesn't have a history of that in their family. So it's like, it kind of levels it out. Like things like that, we're going to be definitely looking into. How are you feeling about the like lifestyle change, the impending like changes to your schedule? And I know you're busy with work and I know Taylor's busy with work. Like, what is that like? Because you brought up a good point on your last episode, the therapy one you did with Taylor, which was like straight couples, like you just get pregnant and it's sure the upside is it's simple, but like there's like, no time to really prep, especially if it's a surprise pregnancy. Right. You're just like, holy shit. So this is happening. You guys are in the unique position of like, you're like knowing that the plane is landing it's and bad. you're like, it's, it's, lo- it's wish, like, it's stressful. I could by mistake get pregnant because, yeah. and listen, gr- grass is always greener, right? But it's like, <laughs> I'm, I am like so failure to launch. So I said to Tay, like, listen, I want a Chanel bag. I find a way to get a Chanel bag. You want a baby. So, you have to like, you have to fly this plane. You have to like right. be the captain of the ship because if it's left to my hands, it will never get done. Right. It's not that I don't want them. I just don't, I'm so scared for the lifestyle change and I'm so happy in our life. I love our apartment, not baby friendly. I love right. our relationship. I'm sure it will be enhanced by a child, but like, I just, I like, I love traveling and seeing our friends. And I just, I, I finally feel like I'm in a position financially where I'm not worried about money. I finally feel like we got this. And it's like, you know what we should do? Have a baby and fuck it all up. So <laughs> fuck it all up. Listen, I'm like, I'm like, scared. I'm scared, but I also know that like, I am not getting any younger. Luckily, Tate is younger. So it kind of gives me like a little bit more of a, um, of like a, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a safety net. Right. But like, that's why sperm donor we're going to find. And then for me, the IVF, like freezing the eggs because like, and here's the thing too, I think I might be fine with one child. I really yeah. do. Um, but what if watching her be pregnant and watching the childbirth and being a mom makes me go like, damn it. Now I actually would want my own. And she's willing to carry it. Like what? I mean, I will say this, not that you ask for the advice, but once you crack the egg and it's, I don't know, anything after one, it's kind of gravy. You're like, we did it. You know, I don't know. That's just my thought. And plus they bother you less when they have someone to play with. Yeah. It's like getting two puppies. Yeah. You know, no one, you don't ever just like do one thing. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. All these people listening who have one kid or me, I'm not judging you. Okay. I'm just saying for me, I'm lazy and I wanted someone else to take care of my child. So I had two other Babysitting babysitting babies, right? Oh yes. It's so fun. Well, I, I know I'm so excited to hear you guys share whatever you're 
going to be sharing through that journey and just thank cheering you. you on. So Taylor, thank you for spending so much time with me today and letting me bully you into this. I, I'm sure people know where to find you, but please tell us any of your podcast, um, your Patreon stuff, all that stuff so we can watch you. Okay. So follow me at Taylor Strecker on Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, so I have a weekly podcast with Dear Media. It's free. It's called Taste of Taylor. A new episode's out every Thursday. And then I have a daily talk show on Patreon. It's called The Taylor Strecker Show. It is uh, behind a paywall. It's a subscription-based show, but it is great. I have like a rotation of 11 incredible co-hosts. And uh, it's almost like a secret society clubhouse. We're like, because we're behind the paywall, we like really bear it all. But, um, and you can actually catch, catch a lot of those co-hosts on Taste of Taylor. They, they're like regular guests as well. So yeah, check it out. And thank you so much for having me. Like I felt truly an instant connection when I met you on that flight. And just, I, I, I want to say this beginning, but I went on a tangent as I tend to do, but it was so funny because Tay and I had just upgraded to first class that day because we were like kind of waiting last minute to see like if maybe the rates would change drastically. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like universe stuff where like they allow me to go on Tay's like family, whatever, because she's like gold status and I'm not. Mm -hmm. So they like gave me a massively reduced rate. And then they were having a really hard time getting Tay to get that. See, we're like on the way to the airport trying to get oh my the seats together. And, um, and the woman finally was like, honestly, I can't override the system. So I'm just going to give you the ticket for free. Oh, so I mean, how nice was free, it too? Oh. Free first class upgrade. I was dying. <laughs> but you know, if I mean, I, like I, I, it was so nice. And yeah, I, I don't normally fly uh, in that luxury either. But like, so we were like skipping onto the plane. We were like so happy. It was taste first time ever flying first class. So we were like, and we were like documented all for like my Patreons. We did this like big Italy video, but so we were like flying high and then to sit down and then to have you, like somebody who is so gorgeous and so fabulous also in first class be like, Hey girl. Hey, I, you literally <laughs> made my year. You have no idea. So thank you. Truly. It was fun. I think we might've been at the same hotel too. Were you at hotel de Russi by chance? No, we went there. That's where Stassi and Bo's rehearsal dinner was. So they okay. were at the Hotel I thought I saw like crews or something sniffing around the building. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe they're here. Oh yeah, that but, yeah. was definitely them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. Well, Taylor, you are a joy. Um, you need to think highly of yourself and stop you. putting your, you are just amazing. And the energy thank you bring you. to show is awesome. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of We Gotta Talk. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abatta, S-O-N-N-I-A-B-A-T-T-A. -T -T All of the latest blog posts are at wegotatalk.com slash blog. <laughs>